Alrighty, everyone. Welcome back. We got another episode of Monday Madness. Today is Monday, June the 8th, and yesterday I went into Denver. Felt a little strange. Met up with a few friends, uh, old petroleum engineers, and went to a bar over on Broadway, caught a drink and some food together, and it just felt strange. It didn't feel right being out. I mean, the bar was mostly empty. I felt a little bit guilty about being out even, and uh, it's just strange to keep the mask on unless you're eating or drinking. Totally makes sense, but it doesn't quite feel right. I'd almost rather be at home, and it's strange walking past the protest, seeing a lot of, a lot of that going on, and me not doing much for the cause, so I don't know. It's just especially strange times, and feels weird to be out in public, but I know you didn't come here to get a recap of my days or hear my diary, so... Let's jump right into it. We've got some decent news this week, and I'd like to start talking about two benchmarks that can be quite interesting when being held side by side. First, oil prices have been making an incredible comeback. Just yesterday, WTI prices topped $40, a vast improvement over the $25 about a month prior to this. Although the prices have trended downwards this morning, the price still hovers around $38 with many speculators excited for the potential of big jumps throughout the year. I know I've heard estimates of about $150 per barrel, but I feel perhaps the $70 estimates are far closer to the realm of possibility. But who knows? I'm thoroughly surprised we reached a $40 pricing point less than two months after that crash on April 20th. The other benchmark I would like to mention is the rig count and associated employment. Today, the U.S. rig count is down to 284 just for perspective, that is a 691 rig decrease from one year ago today. More and more people are choosing to shut down and limit drilling activity just in general, and the rate at which rigs are shutting down is starting to slow, but only because we are nearing these bare-bones numbers. We can only go so far before we hit the very bare minimum. Even so, I would wager there is a small lag behind the price increase, and companies that played it safe and stopped the bleeding from earlier this year may be looking to get back into more drilling and exploration, especially if they are with those speculators that feel $70 pricing is in the near future. Perhaps not a great idea as demand is slowly creeping back up to acceptable levels, and there's still plenty of cheap oil within storage. Like I had mentioned, employment for oil and gas service employees is kind of a touchy subject right now. With rig counts plummeting, you clearly don't need employees to man those rigs, What's worse is that there's so much more to consider when looking at the service industry. Welders that would repair pipelines or perform service work on rigs are no longer needed. The towns that support the industry are struggling as well. Hotels are near vacant, and restaurants that would cater to morning meetings or field lunch have seen a decrease in demand for these services. We'll definitely have more to say on that during this month's Basin Breakdown in the context of the DJ Basin. So be sure to subscribe to Rare Petro to stay updated on all the powerful and informative content that the employees here are working so hard to deliver to you. Another factor that has served to prop up the prices is China's ever-increasing demand for crude imports. In an attempt to jumpstart the economy and get back to business, China's crude imports for May exploded to the highest ever at 11.34 million barrels per day. This broke their record from last November by about 150,000 barrels per day. It is also likely that China is doing its best to fill its reserves while prices are low, as they have taken the speculative stance of oil hitting a major price recovery as many hedge funds have been praying for the big Shanghai crude futures. Let's hope that the U.S. can begin to recover in the way that the China has, and 
as our supply chains from producers to refineries would all be very happy to see that. And it is possible that could develop. OPEC took the steps over the weekend to finalize another agreement on production cuts. A video conference between OPEC and its allies decided that production cuts would not be tapered off as initially planned, but rather reinforced through July. The cuts will be reviewed on a monthly basis with another meeting scheduled for June 18th. Wait a minute, wait a minute. June 18th, that's what, only 10 days away from now? And I would bet that this is likely a meeting that will review sort of a halfway through compliance from this weekend's meeting. If you remember from last Monday Madness, Nigeria and Iraq only cut 19% and 38% of their share respectively. This was a major concern for the big boys involved. As Saudi Arabia's energy minister said, effective compliance is vital if we are to secure the hard-won stability in the global oil market and restore confidence in the unity and effectiveness of the entire group. Iraq responded with, Despite the economic and financial circumstances that Iraq is facing, the country still <laughs> remains committed to the agreement. I don't know about you, but all I heard when he said that was 38%. You know, it's, it's a vast underperformance, and I don't think everyone else was exactly excited to hear him say that, but hopefully in the coming months they can bump that number up a little bit closer to 100, like uh, a lot more of the countries are shooting for. I understand economic difficulties, but cheap talk is not something that will allow all these countries participating to be comfortable with this deal. Unfortunately, Saudi Arabia seems to be full of it, too. Well, maybe, depending on how you interpret this next story. Just after the agreement, they enacted the largest price increase seen in two decades. Saudi Arabia prices its oil relative to other crude benchmarks, so each month, a catalog will emerge announcing the difference of discount or premium it is selling at comparative to Brent, WTI, whatever. This makes it especially useful to price in the physical market where barrels are exchanged between parties. The prices are typically announced on the fifth day of every month, but Saudi Arabia did hold out just a little bit until after this weekend so that uh, they knew what the new conditions of the OPEC agreement would be. Now, the Arab light pricing was announced and raised $6.10 a barrel to a premium of $0.20 cents US over the benchmark. This will likely affect Asia the most, as a little more than half of Saudi oil is destined for there. While I can see that Saudi Arabia is trying to make money during these production cuts, these prices will just eat into the profits that refineries see after they finish processing crude oil. And refineries are already some of the hardest hit people within the oil and gas industry. I mean, I know everybody's suffering, but to take that bottom dollar that they're trying to generate now, now that there's a demand coming back and people traveling, I, I, I don't think that's perhaps the correct decision. I wonder just how much less oil the Saudis will sell, but I see this as a pretty significant shock to the market that is likely to have some repercussions. We will just have to wait and see exactly what those repercussions will be. Suppose we started this podcast speaking about the United States so it only seems fair that the podcast finishes up within the United States. Although I do wish the news was a bit more positive. Cristobal has been relabeled as a tropical depression, but it is still a storm to be respected as there has been plenty of rainfall and small flooding in the south. This means that the Gulf of Mexico is also slowly being shut down. As of June 7th, 185 of 643 production platforms have been evacuated, along with three of eight rigs. The Bureau of Safety and Environmental Enforcement has activated its emergency response teams to work in conjunction with operators in the Gulf. 
They reported that once the storm passes, all facilities will be inspected, allowing production from undamaged facilities to resume immediately, and any facilities that have experienced damage will be worked on as quickly as possible to get people back on the platforms and production back to normal. While this is bad news for many of the employees and companies involved with those rigs and production platforms, it could have a silver lining for market pricing. An estimated 635,000 barrels per day are now not being produced, along with 878 million cubic feet of gas, which is roughly 30% of the production in that territory. A few days of this diminished gas supply could be great for pricing because this is a pretty significant amount of hydrocarbons. But again, we will just have to wait and see. But I think that about wraps up everything we've got for this episode of Monday Madness. I'm Tavis Killian, and as always, it's a pleasure to host these things. And like I said, Rare Petro is going to have a bunch more content coming out soon. If you've not seen Kevin Olson's periodicals, those are something to be reckoned with. Great information and currently being updated, so be sure to give those a listen. And soon, we will have some more Industry Leader Spotlight interviews out. We recently had the pleasure of interviewing Timothy Marcus, so if you haven't seen that, please go to rarepetro.com. We've got the video linked up to there on YouTube if you'd like to watch it, or if watching's not your thing, if you're already subscribed, if you're not subscribed, we do put out the audio formats as well. So be sure to give those a peek. But like I said, that's all we've got for this month. Crazy times are going through, so everyone, care for your neighbor, extend a helping hand, just be kind. That's all we got. Until I see you next time, take care. <laughs> <laughs>